This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Today, a lot on the plate. Uh, We want to talk about uh, what we've learned from the the parents of the shooters, and apparently the media hasn't learned the same things that we have. Uh, I want to share some of that and some new audio from that interview coming up in uh, just a little while. Also, the uh, decline and fall of the Roman Empire... Given said, there were five things that happened uh, that caused the decline and eventual fall of the Roman Empire. Guess how many of them we've done? Uh, Twelve? We'll get to that here in just a second. And I want to start with what is the difference between Ferguson, Baltimore, and Dallas? Because there is a difference. Uh, We'll start there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. I'm glad you're you're with us. Uh, Would you guys say that there is a difference between um, how things have unfolded here in Dallas compared to Ferguson and Baltimore? There's a market well, yeah, difference, or is it just that I'm looking for the difference? I mean, there's no rioting in the streets. There, you know, yeah. there's there we're not at each other's throats. I want to. I, I would say so. I yeah. want to play uh, some audio, uh, and it's much more effective on video, and it'll be posted at glenbeck.com and on my Facebook page soon. But um, uh, my wife sent this to me this morning, and she she's off with the kids um, in the east, and. Um, she said, boy, did you see what happened in the streets of uh, South Dallas, I think it was? And I said, no. And she said, what is happening? And I thought she meant in a bad way. And I said, I don't know, honey, but I think there's a lot of good things that are happening in Dallas. And she said, no, this is. And it was a Black Lives Matter march um, that, you know, they were chanting the slogans and they were on one side of the street. On the other side of the street were guys who the media, I mean, you couldn't have casted it better. Um, you know, cut off shorts and cowboy boots and a cowboy hat and a, and a Confederate flag T-shirt uh, and a whole bunch of, you know, a pickup truck with a whole bunch of flags on it. And these guys were on the other side of the street. And the media went over and talked to both sides. And, uh, you know, the 
Black Lives Matter people were saying this is the same thing Black Lives Matter people always say, and the and the uh, the rednecks, if you will, were saying all the things that rednecks would always say. Well, you know, we all lives matter, and that's the way it is. You know, same thing. No, Black Lives Matter. Okay, got it. We got it. We've heard the we've heard the chance. And you think to yourself, nothing good is going to come from this because they're across the street from each other until one person walks across the street, and I think it's from the redneck side, walks across the street and starts an open dialogue. You know, it may have been the Black Lives Matter side. I'm not sure. Here's the audio from this. It's kind of at the beginning where they're still chanting separately. So now you're seeing the... Those are the Black Lives Matter people. I can't just sit back and, and feel this way without trying to change it. Now they go across the street. Yeah, got the Black Lives Matter and stuff. We all matter, hell. <laughs> now they're starting to walk across. One guy is walking across. Now they start hugging, embracing each other. And they're saying, this is how you kick down a wall. What they decided to do was come together and just talk and listen to each other. No more walls. Today, we're going to show the rest of the country how we came together. Everybody get it in here, man. Everybody get it in. Everybody get it in. Now this is the Rednecks and the Black Lives Matter guys. Thank you. Hugging. As I am so humble that you allowed us to come back. Then praying. Today, I pray again. Thank you so much. I pray that everybody makes it. Amen. Now they're praying, and what's really fascinating is they have invited the cop who was keeping both sides apart into the circle to where they could pray together. And they're all hugging each other. And you see two Black Lives Matters guys with their arms around the, the back of a guy wearing a Confederate flag T-shirt and the cop. Now, why is this happening? Yesterday, uh, I did a show uh, with Black Lives Matter people, people who were down at the protest, the guy who was the last in the protest that, you know, the cop saved his life. Um, and we didn't agree on a lot of stuff. Yeah, some of that was really hard to listen to. Yes, it was. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, a lot of our listeners were probably pissed off. Yes. Uh, like, what was really hard to listen to except for, well, I guess there were two parts. Yeah. Um, you got to accept your responsibility. But that came from a white person. Um, and, 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 and that's offensive because um, I had uh, nothing to do with it. Yeah, no, 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 but here's, but here's what she said, and I thought this was really good. Um, no, actually, the preacher said this. The preacher said, look, I counsel women of abuse. And he said, women who have been abused by man after man after man after man. And he said, they just don't trust anybody. And he said, I didn't, hit, I didn't abuse them. I didn't rape them. I didn't do any of that. I'm not that guy. He said, but you wouldn't believe how the wall breaks down when you just say, I am sorry that a man did that to you. I'm sorry that somebody of my gender represented themselves 
okay, that. And, and that's understandable, and and I think uh, totally valid. Right. But have we not said that? I don't think so. As a nation. a thousand times, don't a think million so. times. Sure oh, I don't think so. It feels like it. What he, I mean, the preacher was saying that we haven't been specific. His belief was we've said we're sorry, but not we're sorry because. Look, every yeah, of group of people well, I, has I got something to apologize for to other right. groups. I, I'm sorry, just as much as whites have things to apologize for, I'm Black sure Asians have things to apologize no, no, no. for. Everybody's got nice. something to apologize for. Right. Here's, here's, here's the thing that keeps going through my mind. I had dinner with somebody last night. And they said, Glenn, you know, uh, I don't know if that would work, blah, blah, blah. This is all based on Martin Luther King's reconciliation. Because what we're both doing, what we're all doing right now is I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. And I don't feel like we are wrong. I don't feel like we have anything to apologize for. But that's what's happening to us. We're putting our shields up and going, I'm not wrong here. You've done things too. And usually that's when, as kids, when that argument starts, our parents walk in and go, Knock it off, both of you. You're both wrong. Now zip it. Okay? Yeah, but that pissed me off when I wasn't wrong, too. I, I know. <laughs> Hang on just a second. Hang on. What reconciliation is, the theory behind reconciliation with Martin Luther King is if you, if you enter into um, uh, an argument with somebody and somebody has to win and somebody has to lose... Somebody will lose, and that will just lead to more resentment. And it could be you this time that loses, okay? So what he's saying is, why don't we just disarm, humble ourselves, listen to each other, and say, hey, I am sorry that as a nation, a group of white people, unrelated to me, behave that way. And... We're sorry for the nation, because I am. I'm embarrassed by our nation, by things like wounded knee. I mean, there's some really bad things, and not just the black people, white people too. Japanese internment camps, um, the, the, the slaughtering of, uh, of, of white people in the, um, uh, in the, on the Missouri Trail. I mean, we did some horrible things as a people, White people to white people, white people to black people, Indians to whites, doesn't matter. Isn't it our approach, though? I mean, as people who see the world the way we do, to not say a group is responsible for an action. An individual is responsible for an action. I I am an individual, and I, I don't like taking responsibility for some action taken by people I've never seen before that have been dead hundreds of years before I was born. If God so desires that... All of our treasure and our gold is put in a heap and all destroyed. And every drop of blood drawn by the lash is paid for by the blood drawn by the sword. Then so be it. That's Lincoln. You're way over my head now. No, it's just that's what Lincoln said. If, If we have to lose everything because God is just, so be it. Now, we paid for slavery. We paid for it as a nation. We paid for it. 650,000 lives in blood. We paid for it. Re, re, everything after Reconstruction, I don't think we have, we, we have paid that price. That, that's horrible, horrible, horrible stuff. And if we would have paid the price, quite honestly, the Democratic Party would not be in existence. 
because it was the Democratic Party that used the KKK. It was started as a Democratic um, uh, uh, voting block. We never recognized it and paid the price. We have not done it. It's just like abortion. Do you think the stain of abortion, if it stopped today, and we all just say, oh, okay, well, we, we stopped killing 50 million children. There's still that stain that needs to be, that the nation must stand and go, I didn't engage in abortion, but Lord, please, we are sorry for this. Just, I, I can't imagine that I would expect uh, uh, an orthopedic surgeon to come to me and say, I'm sorry, another doctor committed, went through with that abortion. I, I mean, like that. Here's the, here's the thing. As I was saying last night, does anybody here have a better idea? Besides, argue our point even more. Which is important, by the way. The, yeah. the, the truth is important here. It is. And I feel, doesn't it feel a tad bit disingenuous to take responsibility for something you did not do or were not a part of and never believed? Doesn't it feel a little suicidal to not try everything we could possibly do? And boy, if all it required was us to be humble with hat in hand and to be more gracious and say, I just want healing. What do you need? What do you need to heal? And I'm not talking money. I'm not talking reparations. I'm not talking, I'm not, I'm not talking any of that. Well, when they say that's what they need, what do you do with she that? She said that on the air yesterday, and I disagree with her, and yeah. that's why I invited so her then back. where do you go? That's not what she was saying on the, on the air. She was saying off the air, um, something radically different. And I personally believe she was, she got spooked because right before we went on, I said, we have an eight minute segment. You're gonna be able to talk. Then right before we went on, I said, we've only got four minutes. And then as they were counting me down, they said, we have two and a half minutes. And everybody I said, everybody just, just cut whatever you were going to say way down, just one line. And I think she got spooked because that's not what she said before she went on the air. So I, I don't know, but even so I disagree with that. There's no way I'm going to go with reparations. That's not what I'm talking about. And I said at the beginning of the show, how can we have this conversation without attorneys and politicians trying to get in between us and try to exploit this for power and money? Because then it destroys all of it. That's not what this is about. This is not about power and money. This is about how can we talk heart to heart. And that's what happened with those protesters in Dallas that we just played. We didn't see that in Ferguson, that's for sure. Right. And what is that? That was a, that was a moment where one person was humble enough to say, I'm going to go over and talk to them in peace. And the guys who had the cowboy hats on, the so-called rednecks, if you will, you notice they came with their hat over their heart. They didn't come in with a brim. They humbled themselves and put their hat over their heart and met them. Maybe the line I'm, I'm having trouble with here is a line between empathy, which of course I feel for people who are, are victims of violence, and apology. Okay. I, I don't I understand have that. responsibility. So, so in let's this. not even get. Let's not even get to that part yet. Right. Let's get to the part to where have you seen what Facebook has been saying about the parents? Now I disagree with the parents. I don't think I think I can explain their son, and they're. I think they're living in a delusional world. Okay. 
you can kind of expect that because they just lost their son. Lost their kid. I mean, they're not going to say. I mean, you know, in a horrible, their son is now Lee Harvey Oswald in in Dallas. I mean, a bad guy. You're not going to get a perspective. Correct. There that you. But what if I said for how long I want to be the Amish where the Amish had somebody come in and shoot their children in school? Not their cops, their children. And that night, the whole town came to the shooter's family and begged them, please, please, you had nothing to do this with this. Forgive yourself, and, and, and we, don't, we don't blame you. Please, don't move. There's only healing if we heal together. And look at the Facebook post about these families these dirtbag families, I'm, I, we are a million miles away from being the Amish. And the reason why I bring this up is because this, all of this is a failure of the church and a failure of faithful people. We don't have enough belief in the power of God and goodness and humility. The Amish heal. We don't. Why did the Amish heal? Because they went and they forgave the family and they comforted the family. They saw the family as grieving just as much as their children themselves, but our police officers. We say, no, police officers are good. Shooter's family is bad. The shooter's family is not necessarily bad. We don't know anything about the shooter's family, except that they're grieving right now. This is an adult conversation. This is not red meat. This is the opposite of red meat. This is listener go-away spray. I know that. (laughs) But if you want actual solutions, we're out of good ones. We're out of easy ones. Now we just have to find the authentic ones. Now we have to find the ones that will actually work. And I got news for you, gang. Everything we've been doing is not working. Everything we've been doing is not working. Let's try lowering our voice instead of shouting louder. Simply Safe is our sponsor. You get a call from a big home security company and they say, by the way, you're eligible to receive that free home security system. All you have to do is put that sign in your front yard. I've done the math on that one. I can't figure out how many people have to call to get their security system because they saw that one sign that is kind of sideways behind the bush in your yard. What a bunch of crap that is. That is a total scam. Nobody's calling because they're like, hey, you know what? Bob just got a new security. I read that little sign in their yard, and I'm going to call them and get my security. No. This is a scam because you're paying for that security. They get the free advertisement as well because you're paying for the system 10 times, 100 times over because they're charging you $40 and $50, $60 a month for your monitoring when we know from Simply Safe, 24-hour, five-star monitoring is $14.95 a month. So the rest of that is profit. You're not getting a deal. You're getting ripped off. Simply Safe saves you money. $14.99 a month. No contract. You own the system. And there's no wiring. It is the new way of doing business with people who you can actually trust. For the protection that we trust, go to simplysafebeck.com. Right now, get a 10% discount at simplysafebeck.com. Save 10% right now. Simplysafebeck.com. We are one. The Glenn Beck Program. 
Mercury. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. To the Glenn Beck program. This is such a hard concept to get your arms around. And as I said, I know this is listener, uh, listener away spray, uh, go away spray. But well, I think you're, I mean, you're making a point, and I think every listener has one of these two opinions, right? Like you're sitting here trying to, if you're trying to sort through this, you know, you have to have this conversation, right? You have to have this conversation. It's time that America has a different conversation and i want to go to pat because pat has his angry face on no i don't (laughs) listen to that i love it no i don't no i don't i don't i'm totally fine (laughs) we'll continue the conversation i want to talk also about ancient rome where did ancient rome go wrong according to gibbons coming up in a second this is the glenn beck program mercury We're having so many important conversations off the air. We should stop talking off the air because <laughs> the guys are trying to understand what I'm trying to say, and I'm trying to find the best way to say it. Um, uh, and uh, and let me give you two examples. We're talking about racial recon- uh, reconciliation, and everybody right now is is hung up on. I've got to apologize for what white people did. No, no. Let me give you two examples. With a preface, I'm coming to you with this because if you've listened to me for a long time, I have told you, we're passing all the exits. We're passing all the exits. Did you see who Donald Trump is saying that he wants to make as a, his vice presidential candidate? Yeah, General, General Flynn. General Flynn. Everybody is com- concentrating on what part of that? The abortion part. And the he's a Democrat. He's a Democrat. He's a Democrat. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen why... Donald Trump is saying that he wants General Flynn as the guy. Again, everyone will say because he's going to be a crossover candidate. Mm-hmm. No, because Donald Trump believes that there is real civil unrest coming and he needs to have somebody who has the experience of law and order. You've got to have a strong man. You've got to have a general of the army. Meanwhile, Barack Obama is talking about a federalized police force. So I'm talking to you because I told you these things were coming. Um, 
I've been trying to point out all the exits that we can. We keep missing them. Nobody wants to hear the God thing. Nobody wants to hear the God thing. I got it. Fine. I got it. There's no other answer. I just want to let you know. There's no (laughs) other answer. But I understand you don't want to hear it. Look at the difference between Dallas and Ferguson and Baltimore. There's still a God culture here. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I told you to move to Texas for a reason. You're seeing that. I told you when things go to hell in a handbasket, you want to be around like-minded people. You're seeing that. Look at the difference between the, the shooting of six cops on our streets in Dallas and what happened to Dallas and what's happening today in Dallas compared to what happened in Ferguson and Baltimore. You're losing time. Pack your crap and move to Texas. <laughs> now, beyond that, uh, before we close the northern border, um, uh, I'm coming to you because I'm out of options. I've told you many times here in the last few weeks, I'm out of hope. I'm out of hope. There's no way out, guys. There's no way out. I, this is the place that I told you. We pass all the exits, and then we'd be on a stretch of the freeway where there's barriers up against both sides, and the bridge is out. Okay, what do you do now? We're there. The bridge is out. We're about to go off. Now, if we could hit 88 miles an hour, maybe we go into another time shift. But I think that was just a movie. So what do you do? Let's try a different approach. We've tried everything except taking our hat off as a cowboy would and putting it over our heart and approaching somebody and saying, let me listen. Tell tell me. Now, let me explain this in a family way. How many guys have heard their wife say, you know, you just don't listen to me. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Jeffy. You you just don't listen to me. Would you just stop and listen? And you think you don't say unless you're stupid or newly married. I know exactly what you're going to say. Okay? We all know, guys... Uh, whenever your wife is said, you just would you stop and just listen to me for a second? Have you ever been surprised by, oh my gosh, that is entirely different than what I thought you were saying <laughs> the whole time for my entire freaking life? I got it. Okay? But you don't do that, right? If you're smart, you say, okay, you're, honey, you're right. Let me listen. Now, you can be watching an old hockey film in your head while they're... (laughs) Because you know exactly what they're saying. And you listen to them. Of course, you're not doing that because what they're saying is important. Right, exactly right. Right, you're paying attention. Mm -hmm. But you listen to them. They recognize that you're listening. And they say to you, thank you for listening. Honey... I know, we can work this out. I see what you're saying now. Even though I knew what you were saying before I had to sit here and listen to you. I know that. Part of that's your inside voice, of course. <laughs> yeah. Okay, got it? Mm-hmm. We've all gone through that. Mm-hmm. But just the practice of listening to our wife somehow or another changes things magically, and I don't know yeah, how. Yeah, people have to be validated. Correct. For okay. healing to occur, they have to be validated. Correct. Now, second part. The people that were on the stage last night were all in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and Black Lives Matter kind of people. They understood the Black Lives Matter movement. They weren't in it. They understood it. 
And, um, and they sat on the stage with me. And off the air, they said, we're not afraid of, of our generation. We're afraid of the youth of this generation. We're afraid of the next generation. Because now th- these, are, these are black moms and dads saying, we don't understand them. They are angry beyond belief. And we're saying, you guys didn't live through all of that stuff. What are you talking about injustice? You want an injustice. We'll show you injustice. They don't even know why they're so angry. Well, I do, because they're being indoctrinated. They have been pampered their whole life. They've been told, we owe it to you. You owe this to me. We have given everyone a trophy. We've passed everyone, whether they whether they deserve to be upgraded in the next grade or not. Everybody, everybody, it's so transparent now that you can see how the rap stars actually live in their crib and compare that to, wait a minute, I don't have that. So what do I have to do to get that? Because that's what I want. We're glorifying all of that stuff. And on top of it, we have a political system that rewards that kind of thinking is enslaving that kind of thinking, and then at the top is also saying, get them, get them. You're right, they're bad, get them. Irrationality. All over the country, we are no longer a country of reason. And what do we do? We stand up and say, well, let me explain. See, we've already, we've already said this. We've listened to you already. We know. Translation, Honey, I've heard you. I've heard you every day for our entire marriage. I get it. How do you think that's going to go over? It's not. You're headed for divorce court. Perhaps the solution is to just say, let me hear you. Let me listen. And it's different from from saying, I take responsibility. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that to you. That's not what we say. Another example to bring it home in a relationship. Tanya dated really bad guys before she dated me. And they treated her like garbage. Absolute garbage. And the guys basically just wanted to have sex with her. And... um, and uh, would say anything. And when she, she was not having sex with anyone. And at first, they would try to all the tricks that every guy tries. And then they would start to brutalize her uh, and, and, and talk her down into the ground and try to break her spirit. And she was, she was um, kind of a broken person when I met her. In that regard, she had very low self-esteem and she had been with bad guys. And at first, I just tried to be a good guy and thought that could get, she would get over it. And she did to some extent, but not really. Until I started saying, so what did he do? What, What was happening? Wow. Quote, I am really sorry that anybody would treat you that way. I am really sorry that 
somebody that he would make you feel those things because that's not true. But I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. That's what we have to say. I'm really sorry that, and, and quite honestly, blacks need to say it to whites too. I am really sorry that there have been black leaders, so-called leaders, who, and blacks will tell you this, they don't represent me. Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton, we know they're a scam just as much as you do. They don't represent me. And I am sorry that they have, they have made you feel this way. But I'm not that guy. And that's what we need to say. I am sorry that, that Reconstruction happened and the Klan happened and, <clears throat> and that uh, there were people that made you feel this way. And there are still people, just like on your side, that still try to make, but they are powerless over us. Because I'm looking at you and saying, I'm sorry that they made you feel that way, but I'm not that guy. And you say to me, I'm sorry that they made you feel that way, but I'm not that guy. I I don't know how that's a problem. I don't have a problem with what you said there at all. I mean, you know, saying that, let me ask you this, what happens when we say it and they don't? Right, that's what I'm... Then they're not honest brokers. Then they're not at the table. Well, I mean... There's going to be a lot of... No, no, look, guys. There's going to be a lot of people that don't... Look, guys, we're not talking about saving the nation anymore. We're talking about saving remnants. I'm sorry to break it to you, but anybody who's honest knows that. We're talking about saving remnants of our country. You're not going to turn this whole country around overnight... It's going to take one or two generations to turn it around. And if we lose it, it will take three to four generations before we find it again. Ronald Reagan said, if we lose freedom, we lose it forever. And that's true. We will not see it in our lifetime, nor will our children. It always burns itself out to a third or fourth generation. So I'm not talking about, I think it's too far gone. And I hate to be, you know you know, um, rain on your little Molly Sunshine parade, but that's what I do. (laughs) We've noticed that for a long time. (laughs) We've noticed. I've tried to, I've tried, there's been times where I was like, we're going to make it, we're going to make it, but we have to choose to do these things. There's not enough of us to choose to do those things. So now the remnant that is left have to choose to do these things and choose to do them together, stick together, Hold on to hold on to the iron rod. Hold on to the biggest rock you can find. Tether yourself to something that is absolutely immovable. And those are principles. And the first principle that we have to ad- adopt is humility and meekness and kindness and forgiveness. The rest, the rest of them have to be involved. But as the world gets louder and louder, we better become softer and softer because, and, 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 and again, it's, it's, I know this is, you know, listener, go away spray, but it, it is, it, it, we can't, we can't be the people throwing red meat. We can't be the people who are beating our chest. We have to become quieter because it'll be the only thing that will cut through the screams. 
I think that's a, those are valid arguments. I mean, I think, you know, especially you notice this, and I notice it at least, when I ha- talk to liberals, just general liberals, not necessarily a Black Lives Matter movement, but you're talking to someone who has an opinion that thinks that every NRA member is a psychotic uh, person. Yes. And it's like, if you go in there and you're like, you know, I don't, I never have an interaction. I mean, maybe this is why this is foreign. It's like, I don't have an interaction in which I scream at the person and say, no, you bastard, the NRA is the greatest organization of all time. When you're having an interaction with a friend or someone that you're in a normal conversation with, you do. You're calm. You listen to them. You you see where they're going. You try to present information they may not be familiar with because they might be making decisions in an emotional fashion. Um, and those are ways when you're talking in a normal, friendly environment that you handle conversation. You don't want to piss off your friend because they're your friend. And maybe if you kind of see each, uh, you see each other, the people that you don't know in that same way and try to approach it the same way, it's going to be more effective. It certainly is more effective when you're talking to your friend. We are in a different, we, uh, yes, and we are not doing that in the media and on social media or any place else. Yeah, We're trying to win. You will lose every time when it comes to bringing people together and breaking down barriers, you will lose every time if you're trying to win. We have to try to love, not win. And in that way, we all win. Casper Mattress. Your mattress is a heat magnet causing you to wake up in the middle of the night drenched in sweat. Get rid of your heat-trapping mattress and upgrade to the mattress that I have. It's a Casper mattress. Casper is called the, um, the uh, best invention of the decade because they invented two high-tech foams that guarantee that you will sleep cool and comfortable, get all the support you need. I mean, foam mattresses are so comfortable, but then the problem is they're hot. They went and they found the exact, you know, uh, way to make these foam mattresses so, A, they don't smell, and, B, they don't trap heat. And your Casper mattress ships free in a box so small it's easy to move from your front door to your bedroom. Try it in your own home for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, they'll refund everything. Go to Casper.com, promo code Beck. Casper.com, promo code Beck. It's Casper.com, promo code Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Had almost had a bumper sticker wreck his whole vacation. Yeah, it was it, well, sticker. it was actually a sign at a uh, an anti-Trump rally. Yeah, it said "Make America Mexico Again." Uh. Why? So a hundred million people want to leave this country too? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> Let's do that. The to first world history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire and how it ties to us next. This is. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
We want to play the surgeon that actually that actually worked on the uh, the police officers when they were brought in here in Dallas. Another amazing clip. I'm telling you, a miracle has happened here in Dallas, and people should recognize this. There's something different that's happening in Dallas. And maybe somebody should look into it and see what is the difference. I think we know it. Um, we'll talk about that coming up in just a little uh, little while. Also, um, we have the, uh, the police chief of Dallas, what he said yesterday about people saying, we want to police our own streets. He had a great commentary on that. Also, Donald Trump, a law and order guy, he said yesterday. And we want to spend some time here on the progressives. If you want answers, all you have to do is follow the money. But be prepared to go into some very dark places. This week, we follow the trail of cash back to the most influential progressive donors and reveal the true agenda of those donors. We start with none other than spooky dude, George Soros, right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mr. President, you know, I'm not afraid of the Koch brothers. Koch brothers, 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 Koch budget, Koch-topia, KOCA. 134 times. Just Harry Reid, just from the Senate floor. Senator Harry Reid attacked the Koch brothers almost daily for months, 134 times. Charles and David Koch, they're billionaire Republican brothers who have given money to causes and candidates in which they believe. But apparently, the former Senate majority leader doesn't think that they should have the right to donate their money to whatever legal cause they choose. Reed has labeled these private citizens un-American and has blamed them for virtually everything up to and including climate change. The report that I'm referring to here concluded there are disastrous, disastrous climate changes taking place on our Earth due to human activity. While the Koch brothers admit to not being experts on the matter, these billionaire oil tycoons are certainly experts contributing to climate change. That's what they do very well. They are one of the main causes of this. Not a cause, one of the main causes. However, despite his distaste for politically active billionaires, Reed has embraced Hungarian-born billionaire, Fabian socialist, and convicted insider-trading political activist George Soros and his money. In just a two-year period from 2006 to 2008, while having operational control of the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, Reed accepted over $220,000 from George Soros and his groups. He has also embraced the funds that flow freely to him from Nevada billionaire Sheldon Adelson. And ironically, Harry Reid has also very much embraced a shady billionaire brother duo of his own, Big donors, Tom and Jim Steyer. We'll talk more about the Steyers next time. 
But perhaps the most disturbing of all of the radical, democratic, billionaire donors is the Fabian socialist George Soros. Soros openly seeks a new world order. This would be the time because you really need to bring China into the creation of a new uh, 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 world order, financial world order. It's difficult to refer to the world's elitist plan of a new world order as a conspiracy theory when there is one of the world's most elitist billionaires promoting it by name. Maybe no one is more open about his anti-American, anti-Constitution agenda than George Soros. I think you put your finger on a very important uh, 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 flaw in the current world order, and, and that is that only Americans have a vote in Congress. And yet, it is the United States that basically determines policy for the world. That is a, 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 a flaw in the, in the current setup. So if huge Democratic and progressive donor George Soros had his way, apparently French citizens would serve in the U.S. Congress. Perhaps Russians, Cubans, and Chinese. No, I think this would be the time because you really need to bring China into the creation of a new uh, 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 world order, financial world order. Sovereignty and the Constitution are just two of the problems that George Soros has been dealing with in his efforts to remake the United States of America. I became concerned with the problems of globalization, where you have global markets, but you have politics based on the sovereignty of states. So how do you deal with that, that issue? And, uh, and then I came to the realization that open society is endangered by, by our current leadership in, in this country. And that is when I refocused my attention on the United States. In his book, The Age of Infallibility, Consequences of the War on Terror, Soros wrote, The main obstacle to a stable and just world order is the United States. End quote. Soros believes that capitalism is the enemy of the open society that he envisions. He believes that the solution is to turn to regulated markets that are not governed by capitalism. Following the collapse of the Soviet Union, Soros said, The main enemy of the open society, I believe, is no longer the communist, but the capitalist threat. End quote. How could American politicians accept huge sums of money from anyone who feels this way about America and capitalism, let alone a foreign-born billionaire with the power and influence that George Soros wields, not to mention his track record? Soros made his first billion dollars in 1992 by shorting the British pound and bankrupting the Bank of England. Actually, he made $1.5 billion. He accomplished that by leveraging billions in financial bets. And he did it on the backs of hardworking British citizens who immediately saw their homes severely devalued and their life savings cut drastically almost overnight. He also nearly collapsed the Russian economy and Myanmar and Malaysia. He helped bring down Czechoslovakia, brought on regime change in Croatia, Yugoslavia and Slovakia and funded the Orange Revolution in Ukraine. 
Soros doesn't mind admitting that he has collapsed currencies and economies of sovereign nations. In fact, he seems to rather enjoy it. He seems proud of it. The first part was this uh, subversive activity, disrupting a rep- repressive regimes. Uh, that was a lot of fun, and that, that's actually what got me hooked on this whole uh, enterprise. Uh, seeing what works in one country, trying it in the other countries. Soros believes that taking down governments and or economies with which he disagrees is, quote, fun, end quote. The billions of dollars he makes at the expense of the hardworking citizens of those countries is presumably a side benefit of that fun. Yet, he strongly condemned the United States for intervening in Iraq and Afghanistan. So why is it he can intervene in the internal affairs of other nations, but not the United States of America? In his 1987 book, The Alchemy of Finance, Soros may have explained it. Quote, I admit that I have always harbored an exaggerated view of my self-importance, to put it bluntly. I fancied myself as some kind of God, end quote. With all of the complaining from the leftists about the money the Koch brothers spend, it is only a tiny fraction of what George Soros spends. From 2001 to 2010, the total donated by Charles and David Koch as individuals to the federal election cause is 1.5 million. For George Soros, same time period, 32.5 million dollars. That's nearly 22 times as much. When you add Soros's organizations like Open Society, he has given a total of over 7 billion dollars to radical left-wing causes. According to U.S. News & World Report, the Koch brothers are actually not spending a dime on the 2016 election. They plan to sit it out. As for George Soros? In December, George Soros donated $6 million to the leading super PAC supporting Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. The massive check marks the return of the billionaire financier as among the biggest givers in all of American politics. The Hungarian-born investors' total 2015 giving to pro-Clinton groups amounts to $8 million. When asked about the massive donations coming into her campaign from Wall Street, Soros, and others, Hillary's response drew laughter from the news anchors. Well, look, anybody who knows me knows I'm not in the pocket of anyone, and anyone who thinks they can influence me uh, certainly doesn't know me. Still, she has been regularly attacking hedge fund managers' outrageous incomes all across the campaign trail. Many of you are working multiple jobs to make ends meet. You see the top 25 hedge fund managers making more than all of America's kindergarten teachers combined and often paying a lower tax rate. What Hillary doesn't mention is that just One of America's top hedge fund managers has also donated more to her presidential election bid than all of America's kindergarten teachers combined. Soros funds a myriad of radical left-wing organizations like the Center for American Progress, MoveOn.org, the Working Families Party, the Southern Poverty Law Center, a group that put historian David Barton on their terrorist list, Planned Parenthood, American Institute for Social Justice, the Christian Marxist group founded by Jim Wallace, Sojourners, 
and many, many more. Some Americans may wonder, with innocent-sounding names like the Working Families Party, how could they be radicals? Fellow Fabian socialist George Bernard Shaw described the Fabian methodology. It used, quote, methods of stealth, intrigue, subversion, and the deception of never calling socialism by its right name, end quote. American socialists are experts at that. They've had to be. So, as George Soros spends $7 billion in his effort to remake the United States of America in his image, Harry Reid and Hillary Clinton continue to cozy up to him, while assaulting two successful American brothers, when at least one of whom actually supports same-sex marriage, abortion, and as recently called for tax increases, all of which fit neatly into the Democratic Party platform. The other brother billionaire team, much more acceptable to Harry Reid than the Kochs. Next time. Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We urge you to share these serials with your friends. This week it's the progressive trail of cash uh, and the truth behind who's getting what in uh, politics. And you can find that at glenbeck.com slash serials. Now this, have you prepared for what's ahead? I can't tell you what's ahead. I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. But you can prepare for simple things like um, you lose your job and you're out of work for a couple of months. Um, the pressure that comes off your shoulders when you know your family has food is remarkable. Um, go work at a soup kitchen and you see it. You see it in the eyes of the parents uh, when you hand them, you know, a, a grocery bag of, of food that they can take home. You can see how it washes over people, the relief that their kids are going to be fed. You can not be a burden, burden to others. You might be able to be a blessing to others if you're really truly prepared. And my Patriot Supply will send you now a four-week food supply for only $99. That's over 54% off the regular price. Food lasts up to 25 years. It's good tasting. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, one person for a month for $99. Limit two per caller. Call now, 800-200-7163, 800-200-7163. You can also go to preparewithglenn.com. Limit two per caller or two visitors on the website. Preparewithglenn.com, 800-200-7163, preparewithglenn.com. At our most basic level, we are all afraid of something. Progressives exploit these fears by offering us solutions based on lies and a hunger for power and control. Get the truth with Liars, a new book by Glenn Beck, available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Glenn Beck program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury. Because he's awful. Sorry, we're just... You've got to take a break sometimes. Sometimes you just have to take a break. Because, man, everything is so heavy right now. Um, Jeffy, I just said to Jeffy, have you seen... Is it The Hunted? 
Hunted. Just hunted. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, Jeffy has because it's been broadcast on some version it's of a television. Re- it's a really it's good, really good. It's it's a really good show. It's, a, it's like a spy kind of. Well, it doesn't matter if it's good or not. If it's been broadcast, Jeffy seen has it. seen it. Yeah. Jeffy has seen it. He's seen everything that's ever been televised or broadcast in I any wish, form. I wish that were true. <laughs> it almost is. I wish that were true. I mean, there may be some Serbian production you haven't seen because it hasn't aired here. I mean, Glenn just asked me a series that I hadn't seen. What? I, Prior to this one, he said, have, have you seen a series? And yeah, he said yeah, The he Hunter. Said the Hunter. He, said, he said the wrong. I had, I had only seen a couple of episodes, and I got the name wrong. And you were like, no, I haven't seen that one. Well, well, you're I talking know about The Hunter. Well, of course I've seen that one. <laughs> I've, I've seen, seen The Hunter. How far are you into no, it? Just, he's, he's through the whole series. I haven't seen every episode, but I have seen. You know, I know the <laughs> it's process. Incredible. It's really good. And it's a BBC it's really production. It's a BBC, it's a BBC Cinemax, which is played on HBO, I guess. Wow, Cinemax is Cinemax HBO. Is that the same I company? Know. I didn't think I, so. I, probably they probably, probably is. Yeah. But anyway, so it's it's uh, BBC HBO, which is you know, they, I'm telling you, quality. The, the they BBC quality is yeah. And Movie when did quality. they? When did that happen? When know. did the BBC pass American? I don't know because it used to be horrible, garbage, and now it's really. I mean, until they got this new Doctor Who. Uh, playing, you know, th- this new old guy. Oh, he's awful. He's My son won't watch it anymore. You ruined no. Doctor Who. Yeah, we won't watch it anymore. But that series was great. I wonder what uh, the ratings are for Doctor Who with this guy. Search for Jeffy. There's got to be something in the they got to get rid London of papers that Terrible. this guy is just tanking the Doctor Who series <laughs> because he's awful. But you know the the Sherlock Holmes thing is great. I just think, did. I just think we're in the golden era of television. Oh, we are, it's and exactly the opposite yeah. of what everybody said, what they predicted. Yes. Yeah, this remember is. That, I remember this is this, this, this is the deal for this is the deal that they're making on net neutrality. Yep. That everything's going to be bad. Blah blah blah. No, oh. let it go. Right. Yeah. Let it go. Look at what's look happened what's to television. Happened. Yeah. I mean. Look, it, yeah. I mean, because net neutrality is a good example. We never. I don't think we ever actually did this update, but. Um, the net neutrality people are coming after T-Mobile now um, because T-Mobile had the gall to hurt their customers by offering free streaming of Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, uh, Spotify. They came up with this program like, hey, free data for every one of our customers for all the big streaming sites because, you know, we know. Why is that bad? Well, they're, they're giving preference to those companies. They're giving preference to Netflix. What they're if a private street? company. They can do whatever they want. No, they cannot. Not with net neutrality, of oh course. Oh, that cannot. is unbelievable. Oh, my gosh. So oh even gosh, things that are obvious benefits to the consumer are being vilified by these people. Because, of course, it's got nothing. Only an idiot thinks it has anything to do with what's neutrality. good for the consumer or neutrality. Right. It, happens, nothing it always starts with the big companies, and then it trickles down. Mm-hmm. It always starts with the rich, well, and, and then they, it trickles yeah. down. They you remember always when always go after the big guy. You remember when we had a 109-inch television at Fox? I'd never seen a 109-inch flat-screen television, mm-hmm. and it was like $130,000. We had gotten it, and I walked up to it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, and I you know, touched the screen or something, and uh, the guys were like, don't touch, don't, don't, don't touch that. And I'm like, yeah, how much did this cost? And they're like, 130. It was like the first one out. You can get like a 70-inch now is... Oh, 82, I think. Yeah, 82. Oh, yeah, and how much are they? Target or Walmart, it's like seven, $800. That's crazy. A really good one would probably run you. 
1,000 or 1,500. That is nuts. Yeah. It's the way it always happens. Yeah. Yeah. Leave the market alone. It fixes itself, and it always gives you... This is the golden age of television right now. The golden age. And they're going to screw it up. <laughs> I don't think so. Gonna Thank you for that hope. Yeah, you're Thank welcome. You for that little beam of sunshine Not a problem. there. <laughs> we go to the Roman Empire next. <laughs> the Glenn Beck Program. Let's play a couple of things. First of all, uh, our Dallas police officers, um, the memorial is happening today uh, in Dallas. And I know um, I know the police officers all around the country are mourning all over the world. I have seen messages from police all over the world that are mourning. And uh, just a quick moment of silence for our fallen police officers, not just in Dallas, but all those who are fighting and dying on our streets. The boys in blue, we stand with you. And for any of those who dishonor the uniform of the blue by being a dirtbag, I hope to be a part of the people that rat you out. The thin blue line is thin enough. We stand by the honorable, decent, vast majority of police officers that are good. I want to play our uh, police chief. Boy, he has really, he's held this city together, hasn't he? He sure has. Come through. Here's, um, uh, here's, uh, the police chief of Dallas, uh, he was speaking yesterday. Do you have it, Pat? I thought you had it. Don't have it? The uh, police chief where he was talking about how... 46, man. Um, he was talking about, you know, people are saying, you know, they want to police their own neighborhoods, and we've got these police coming in. They don't know these neighborhoods. You have it? 46 uh, is not in the machine? No. Okay, never mind. Then let's move on. Well, let's talk about it a bit. You guys heard it yesterday, right? Yeah. Basically said, well, we're hiring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe maybe it is this. Uh, not only am I the law and order candidate. No, this no, is not him. That is no. not him. Um, yeah, he, he came out yesterday and said, I, I, this maybe. What do you say to the people who were protesting <laughs> in Louisiana one? last night or the people who were protesting in Minnesota last night? Um, majority African-American protesters who feel as though uh, their lives don't matter as much to the police. Uh, what do you say to them? We're so sworn to protect you and your right to protest, and we'll give our lives for it. And 
it's sort of like uh, being in a relationship where uh, you love that person, but that person can't express or show you love back. I don't know if you've been in a relationship like that before, Jake, uh, but that's a tough relationship to be in where we show our love because there's no greater love than to give your life for someone. And that's what we're continuing to be willing to do. That's so good. Uh, and we just need to hear from the protesters back to us. We appreciate the work you do uh, for us in our right to protest. That, that should be fairly easy. Wow. Pretty amazing guy. He's been great. Yeah, he is. He's been great. And he, he told them, you know, instead of protesting, come down and fill out an application and join us. And we're hiring. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great answer. You want this to be done the way you want it done? Well, come in here, learn the job, and, and do it. And do it. Now, I want to play the Donald Trump soundbite um, with the, the preface of yesterday. Um, kind of came out that he is really pushing for a Democrat to be his vice presidential running mate, uh, General Flynn, right, Lieutenant General yeah. Flynn. Um, and what everybody was talking about yesterday was, well, this guy. Wait a minute, this guy was for abortion, and I mean, he's a Democrat. Um, and then the conversation twisted to, well, that's smart because he'll, you know, he'll look like somebody who's bringing everybody together. But that's not why he says he wants this guy. He says that he wants this guy because he is concerned that there is great civil unrest coming and we need somebody who is capable and able to bring law and order. So you bring in a military general? That's worse than what the president was calling for, which is a federal police force. Now listen to Donald Trump's speech yesterday, not having anything to do with uh, his vice presidential pick, but all about law and order. Not only am I the law and order candidate, but I'm also the candidate of compassion. Believe it. The candidate of compassion. Stop here. But stop you here. Can't- I want you to listen to him. I watched this yesterday, and if you watch it, you will see him. He's using teleprompters now. He's reading speeches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you will know when he's off teleprompter because he usually only repeats what he said. (laughs) So in other words, he's looking at teleprompters. Not only am I the the guy of uh, law and order, I am of compassion. Then he looks in the center. Believe it. The politician of compassion. Then he looks back and listen to the pattern. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen to the pattern. You, He's on teleprompter, and you can tell every time he goes off because all he does is emphasize what he just said. I can't have true compassion without providing safety for the citizens of our country. Every kid in America should be able to securely walk the streets in their own neighborhood without harm. Everyone will be protected equally and treated justly without prejudice. We will be tough. We will be smart. We will be fair. And we will protect all Americans. <laughs> it sounds so different when so, he gives these speeches. It sure does. I keep waiting for that moment sure where does. he says some stat like 17% of shootings occur in bathroom stalls. And then he just looks at the camera and goes, oh, it really? Oh, my God. Is that true? It's like so obvious they're not his speeches. <laughs> like He's amazed by the content as it's hitting him, as he's reading it for the first time. I'm waiting for that to happen. Uh, yeah. I'm anxious to hear Ted Cruz's speech next week. 
Because if Ted Cruz... I'm a little nervous about I am too. If he I wavers can't. at all... Can't, right? He wavers at all. You don't think he's going to endorse Trump, do you? He can't. No way. Uh, you know he's under pressure, no too. Oh, of course. You, you know, I know he's under pressure, too. But he didn't cave to pressure during the campaign. He also didn't He was cave. going after the presidency, and they said, hey, just come back and kiss our ring and apologize to right. I wouldn't do it. He wouldn't even do that. I know that. And so I wouldn't, wouldn't do this? Okay, let me just be devil's advocate here. I right. disagree with this. I want to make it very clear. I disagree with it. And if he endorses, even subtly endorses, I'm done. I'm done. I won't be campaigning with him in 2020. Um, uh, so let me make that clear. But now let me put you in what could be his shoes. I, I don't know. I haven't talked to him about this. I, I don't know. He wouldn't tell me even if, if, if we had talked about stuff. I could ask him and he's not going to tell me this. Put yourself in his shoes. You know that Reince and, and McConnell and everybody else is coming to him and going, you got to get behind the oh, party. Yeah. You got to get behind the party. Right. But and you know he's list. saying, no, 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 no. Now, what would you say if, I know what I would say, but if you believe it's over. By 2020, it's over. I mean, we're just not going to make it to 2020. I mean, this could be so colossally bad either side that we are just wiped out. We're just, we, we are no longer the United States of America as we know it. So you want to move the data up, essentially, is what you're saying? Like <laughs> yeah. So I'm saying, uh, so, and you think to yourself, if they come to you and say, Ted, we guarantee that you will be the first Supreme Court nominee and we will I, do... I say to him, you can't guarantee you that. Can't guarantee that. That's what I say, too. That's what I say, too. Because it's Donald Trump we're dealing with. You cannot okay. guarantee that. So, Ted, what's another big thing of his? What's, what's the other big, um, you know, and stopping the NSA or whatever? Uh, These are uh, all just silly games. I know. I, I can't, I, I know I'm saying you can't. It's a fundamental. Ted, Ted is smart enough to know that. Yeah. You can't trust Trump. Of course right? you He's smart enough to think know. So. I Particularly on these things, him. right? I mean, you can't at all. The problem with if he gets up there and stands up and endorses him next week and says, I'm it's endorsing, over. that negates everything he said everything during the campaign. Sure does, no. it, it illegitimizes all the things that he stood for. I he think. Throws it all out the window. I think, and he won't do this, but I think. If it were me, I'd go for the brass ring. I mean, I know they're vetting everything that he's saying. You know, he's, they got to, you know, it's going through the GOP and everything else. But if I had Ted Cruz's memory, yeah, that's the speech I'm going to give. <laughs> and you roll that prompter all you want. And then I just, just go where else. I want to go. And I would just be, I would only talk about the principles of the party and when this party decides to be that party and stand behind those principles, I'm there because here's the future. And I might even end with, and you know what? I think it was a mistake to unsuspend my campaign. Anybody here on the floor wants to vote for me? Go ahead and vote for me. I'm in. I am. Because I don't believe we have 2020. I am in love with that. I like that. He'll never do that. It would be dramatic. Um, He'll never do that. Very House of Cards-ish. Yes. Uh, But exactly what I would do. I would say. (laughs) This is why, by the way, you're not. That's why I'm not a qualified candidate. Um, I I, I would say that my expectation would be that he would uh, not endorse, uh, talk about principles, some of those principles might be things, if you know the stories, 
you know the campaign, you followed it closely, you might understand that uh, maybe the candidate has been has broken those principles. But I don't think he'll say that directly. Oh, he won't. Um, I think he'll. No, I don't think he should. You got to You got to. I don't think he should hit. No, I don't think he should hit Hillary Clinton, nor should he hit. I think uh, Hillary Clinton. I'm fine with that. Uh, yeah, I, I'm fine with it, but I don't think he he needs to. I think you have an opportunity to bring America together if you just talk about principles. Hey, uh, equal justice doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter if you're white or black, or you're married to a former president or not. You break the law. You go to jail. That's the way it is. Yes. Justice. We have a problem with injustice. We don't have a race problem. We have an injustice problem in America. People are sensing the injustice, and that is growing. So no matter who you are, the highest level or the lowest level of society, you break the law, you go to jail. He can say that. Now, he's just hit Hillary Clinton really hard between the eyes without ever saying Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And he should not. He should not take a swing at Ted uh, at Donald Trump. And while I recognize. totally inappropriate. That this is a, a a plum position to further your political career. After all the Lion Ted no stuff, kidding. I, I would not stand up and, and speak I think, this convention. I wouldn't do it. I think I'm giving him a pass. Not the Trump convention. Yeah, I'm giving him a pass on that because mm-hmm. there's a battle for the it soul. It essentially is Trump's convention, though. But it is, it together, but there's a battle for the soul of the of the party, mm-hmm. and that's why I would that's why I would be much more frank. That when, when you guys are all done with this cute little, whatever this trip is, yeah, whatever this crazy land, circus is. When, when you're done with that, I, I want to remind you, these are the principles. And these are the principles that will move us forward. Yeah. Um, but So who do you think uh, the final four, as reported, and of course this could totally change, but the final four for Trump's VP. You got uh, Chris Christie, Newt Gingrich, Gingrich. Mike Pence, and uh, Michael the general, Flynn. Michael Flynn. General. I, I think yeah. it's going to be uh, Gingrich. I think it's going to be the general. I honestly, I think it's a mistake if it's a general. You, you can't go with a Democrat. That, that and, and, did you see him talk about abortion, by the way? Did you see it? No. I don't think he had put 15 seconds of thought of it into it in his entire life. He's, he's very I, Trump-like on abortion. Yeah, he had, I mean, and that's what I, if I'm Trump, and again, I'm not, <laughs> but if I'm Trump, you know, one of Trump's weaknesses, right, is like, you know, he gets into these moments sometimes where he doesn't really know the topics and everything. You want someone who's well-versed that can come out sometimes. and defend you. This guy was hesitant. He didn't really know where he was Why? going. Why? Why has it hurt him? Well, how has it hurt him? Uh, well, he has well-versed. the lowest popularity of any candidate in history. Yeah, well, the new NBC poll shows him four points behind Hillary Clinton. That's within striking. Distance. What a miracle. No, I, uh, you're I'm, only, I'm just saying. only down by four. showman. He's a showman. He is, but and this guy's not. He really understands. That's not what this guy is. No, Flynn is he not. He is a uniform. He's a yes. He's uh, a uniform. He's a strong man. He's a law and order. I'm going to be tough on those Islamic guys. I'm going to be tough on those Mexican rapists, and I'm going to be tough on the stri- I mean, streets. Yeah, how tough can he be? Because he's a general. Uh-huh. He knows law and order. It'll be interesting. Christie is an interesting one, though, too. I think Christie fits him maybe the best. Gingrich fits him, too. But the pe- you'd think the traditional best choice here would be Pence. Here's a guy who actually is a kind of a policy Pence, guy. He actually I think is conservative. Helps him a little bit. Maybe, maybe a little a bit. Little and bit. he's no the only way, Mike. He's a swing state guy. It. No way. Oh, he's in. Oh, he's Pence. Totally I think oh, Pence yeah. would be in. Totally in. Yeah, I don't think Pence. Oh, my gosh. I can't. Pence is not the guy I thought he was okay. in, in 2006. I mean, if oh. he takes this. He's still a pretty good guy, but he's not the guy I thought he was. And now this. American financing. There's an American financing spot? American Shush. Financing. Uh, NMLS uh, 18. 2334. 
www. NMLS consumer access. Okay, good. Companies that put you in and bring you in and put you first survive bad economic times. When the, uh, the, housing, uh, the housing bubble bursts back in 2008, American financing not only survived, they thrived. They thrived because they knew who they were before the collapse. They knew what their values were. They knew that the customer came first, not the banks, not trying to just jam people into any kind of loan that they could get where they could make money from the banks. That's what was happening. That's why you got a 105% equity loan because the the banks were paying more money to people like American financing, push this instrument, push this loan out. Well, that happens because everybody's on a commission and everybody is making money along the way. Well, that's not the way American financing works. And that's why they actually did better after the crash. They grew. They didn't have any problems during the crash because they found the right rate and the right loan for the customer. And that's you this time. Getting the best mortgage for you can save hundreds of dollars every single month. You want to do a consolidation loan, you can save $500 to $1,000 a month. Call 866-750-6551. It's 866-750-6551. AmericanFinancing.net. That's AmericanFinancing.net. The Glenn Beck Program. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want the odds, by the way, of the yeah. vice presidential? Yes. Uh, Mike Pence, forty-four percent chance. Newt Gingrich, twenty percent. Chris Christie, twelve. Michael Flynn, nine. Oh wow! Wow. wow. Glenn Beck. Mercury. The left is questioning Hillary's ability to erase racial tensions in America. No, I... No, is there a better person to to heal the great divide in America than the Moses, really, of race relations? (laughs) Hillary Clinton? Oh, I think she's going to be great. Uh, Anyway, trauma surgeon who treated the Dallas officers speaking out about the shooting... And what were the signs that the Roman Empire was about to collapse? We give those to you, beginning right now. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we have won. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is... The Glenn Beck Program. Yeah.
Yeah, I know. I got to do the Roman Empire. I have been teasing that all day, and I know people are waiting on the edge of their seats. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Glenn, tell me about Gibbons again. That's because the uh, that's the book that was written by Yule Gibbons, right? Who also uh, oh, it was in Yule pine Gibbons. trees from oh, time I, to time. Yeah, don't think three so, to pine tree. Many parts are edible. No, I Yule don't. Gibbons. Think, no, it's a different Gibbons book. Oh. Uh, let's first start with the uh, let's first start with the surgeon, the mm. guy who actually operated uh, on the police officers here uh, in Dallas. I stand with law enforcement all over this country. This experience has been very personal for me and a turning point in my life. I understand the anger and the frustration and distrust of law enforcement, but they are not the problem. The problem is the lack of open discussions about the impact of race relations in this country. And I think about it every day that I was unable to save those cops when they came here that night. Oh, man. It weighs on my mind constantly. This killing, it has to stop. Mm. There's been some real heroes, some really amazing people coming out of this story in Dallas. Just amazing. And we can either continue to tear each other down or we can start recognizing those amazing people and the healing that is that is happening in the country. Let me... Um, let me take you to the words a couple of places. Um, first, Calvin Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge is is probably um, one of the the greatest presidents of the 20th century, but nobody even knows him. Um, he came in at the height of the progressive era, and he cut the budgets in Washington by half. He shut all of this stuff off. And uh, everybody said that was crazy, and he shut it off, and we went from a crash, a bigger crash than in 1929, a deeper depression, even the 1933, and he turned it around in 18 months. And it's because he cut spending and he cut taxes. Unemployment went from 11.7% to 2.7%. Have you ever seen 2% in your entire life? No, no, I don't think so. 2%, 2. He said, we don't need more material development we need more spiritual development. That's true today. That is the problem with our nation. Let me give you some Edward Gibbons, um, uh, who wrote The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. Listen to this. Rome had been known a pioneer, a pioneer heritage. Then they entered a two, century of, two centuries of greatness, reaching its pinnacle in the second of those centuries, going into the decline and the collapse in the third Yet the sins of decay were becoming apparent in the latter years of that second century. It's written that there were vast increases in the number of the idle rich and the idle poor. The latter, the idle poor, were put on a permanent dole, a welfare system. As this system became permanent, the recipients of the public welfare increased in number. They organized into a political block with sizable power. 
They were not hesitant about making their demands known, nor was the government hesitant about agreeing to their demands. And with ever-increasing frequency, would-be emperors catered to them, the great solid middle class, Rome's strength then, as ours is today, was taxed more and more to support a bureaucracy that kept growing larger and larger and even more powerful. Surtaxes were imposed upon incomes to meet emergencies. The government engaged in deficit spending. The silver coin, uh, like our half dollar, began to lose its silvery hue. Uh, It took on a copper color as the government reduced the silver content in their coins. Even then, Gresham's law was at work because the real silver coin soon disappeared. It went into hiding. Military service was an obligation highly honored by the Romans. Indeed, a foreigner could win Roman citizenship simply by volunteering for service in the Legion of Rome. But with increasing affluence and opulence, the young men of Rome began avoiding this service, finding excuses to remain in the soft and sordid life of the city. They began using cosmetics and wearing feminine-like hairdos and garments until it became difficult, as all historians tell us, to tell the sexes apart. Among the teachers and the scholars were a group called the Cynics, whose numbers let their hair and beards grow and who wore slovenly clothes and professed indifference to the worldly goods as they heaped scorn on what they called middle-class values. The morals decline. It became safe, uh, unsafe to walk in the countryside or in the city streets. Rioting became commonplace, and sometimes whole sections of towns and cities were burned. All this time, the twin diseases of confiscatory, uh, confis- com- say it for me, please, taxation, confiscatory. Confiscatory, taxation and creeping inflation were waiting to deliver the death blow. Then finally, these forces overcame the energy and ambition of the middle class, and Rome fell. According to Gibbons, here's how he accounted for the fall. Five things happened. The undermining of the dignity and sanctity of the home. Has that happened? Can you give me any examples of that? Almost everything. Well, let's see the... The black family has gone from about 85 to 90 percent uh, mother and father in the family to 72 or 73 percent single parent family. Uh, you have illegitimate births of all races through the roof. Yeah. Um, you, uh, I think this has everything to do with the transgendered bathrooms. It is teaching you that the mom and the dad are not in charge. You don't make that decision. Uh, school systems, you don't make that decision. You lose the right of your child and what the mm-hmm. children are learning the minute you cross the threshold of the school. And that, by the way, is almost an exact quote from the Supreme Court. You've lost the sanctity mm-hmm. of the home. The home and the, and the family is no longer the centerpiece. Two, higher and higher taxes and the spending of public monies for free bread and circuses for the pop- populace. Obviously, that's happened. Obviously. Listen to this one. Three, the mad craze for pleasure. Mm -hmm. Events became more and more exciting, and things became more and more brutal every year. I mean, look Mm -hmm. at what, look at how our discourse is compared to four years ago. Four, the building of gigantic armaments when the real enemy was already within the decadence of the people. And five, the decay of religion, faith fading into mere form, losing touch with life and becoming impotent 
to warn and guide the people. Yep. Yep, they're all there. They're all there. And quite honestly, if you fix one and five, you're okay. All you have to fix is the decay of religion. Start being people of not a form, but actual faith. That's the difference between Dallas and Ferguson. This is a faith-driven community in Texas. And so it's healing itself. You, you wake the churches back up, and the churches take their rightful responsibility, and they're teaching self-responsibility, you're going to be halfway there. And the other half that has to be fixed is the home, the sanctity of the home. Mom and dad are in charge. This is my home. Don't cross my threshold without a warrant. You don't have a right to tell me. The kids, we are not a community raising my children. I'm raising my children, and I am responsible for that. And if, if something happens to my kids, I will be held responsible for that. But it's my home, and I set the rules in my home. You fix just those two things, and you can reverse the decline and fall of the American empire. If you don't, you're done. And now this. Um, if you look at the economy and what's happening right now, the Japanese um, economy, the yen are strong, strong. Po- powerful. Yeah, really strong. Solid. Yeah. You remember when, when we thought Japan was going to take over everything? Yeah. Well, they were buying up large swaths. I mean, they, we, we thought we were going to be a Japanese now, if you look at any of the things from, like, what was that show? What was that movie with uh, Michael Keaton? Gung-ho. Yeah, Gung-ho. Yeah. <laughs> Just remember? Like, I know, it was like right. the exact same dumb movie that no one oh else saw. Oh, my gosh. Right. Yes, I remember. That was, like, the big fear of the movie. The right. Japanese are in here. They're taking over everything. Right. We're, we're going to have to be Japanese. Anymore. Yeah, we're going to have to be right. Japanese-run kind of companies. Yeah, yeah. It all went away. Oh. Well. <laughs> I'm sure that's not offensive you know watching it now. I mean, in my, you know, one of my, one of my favorite go-to songs, you know, Indian Reservation. Right. All the things we made by hand are, are nowadays made in Japan. Mm. So in 1970, that was the case. That is, I mean, nothing's made in Japan anymore except a few cars. It's all made in China. It's, com- it's all but it's made not, in but China. But that wasn't, the, that wasn't the, the problem. The problem was over-leveraged housing bubble yeah. ops. Then they start to do the same thing we're doing now. Tons of government intervention. Tons of government intervention, and, and they too. never recover. China, too. China, yep. China's in trouble. Yep, they never recovered. Okay. Sales of gold, June versus May. Gold is up 60%. June versus May. Wow. You might want to think about gold. Italy and Germany are talking about hundreds of billions of dollars in bank bailouts. This is, I mean, we're at the brink. And this is when gold becomes important, when paper is everywhere. I want you to call Goldline today and, and, and talk to them about their, their legal tender units. These are little teeny gold bars that are separate. Um, and and they're, they're in tenth of an ounce coins, but they're not coins. They're square. They're made by the Perth Mint in Australia. So you, they're guaranteed for their purity and everything else. Um, and they're easy to divvy up between your kids. They're easy just to put one in your pocket or in your purse. 
They are legal tender units, and you can find them now only at Goldline, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE. Um, they have a uh, price guarantee program that you should find out about. And they, this is a company that actually tries to take care of their customers even long after you have you know, been a customer. They have some things right now that if you've been a customer of theirs before, you might want to call them and find out that you may be eligible for now um, because they've added a lot of really cool stuff. So if you've even bought gold from them before, you might be eligible for some new things that they have now. Uh, call them at 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 866-465-3546 or goldline.com. In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck takes on some of the most pervasive lies and destroys the false promises of progressivism by taking you through its history. Get the truth in Liars, the new book by Glenn Beck, available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Glenn Beck. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Program. 888 727 Beck. Could I just ask, when you are doing your thing and we're in commercials, somehow or another the show always goes off the rails. And um, we always, in the break, end up mm-hmm. talking about things like Yule Gibbons and <laughs> if he ever actually ate a pine cone. It's and, because you were mentioning uh, Gibbons, who wrote uh, The Rise and Okay, that's how we got there, yes. The Roman Empire. And so I thought, well, remember Yule Gibbons? Right. Ever eat a pine tree? Many parts are edible. He was pine cone. So I, I was looking up that commercial, and I can't actually find him saying those words. There's definitely, like, other Grape Nuts commercials in which he's saying, like, I ate a cattail. Cattail. Like, there's all these other weird yeah. things he's eating. Yeah. That is one of the big play. Will you have one of them? Yeah, here's, here's one of those. I'm Yule Gibbons. Many consider me an expert on natural foods like cattails. Yes, they're edible. I look for natural ingredients in my food. That's why grape nuts is part of my breakfast. This is a wholesome cereal. Uh, He was was just an author who went around the world eating cattails and pine trees, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Was he single? Uh, Or did did a a lucky gal snag his hand? I don't know. I should look into that. Uh, One of the big quotes, though, that he's that he's actually known for is "Ever eat a pine tree?" Many is it a tree? Yeah, I thought so. Many yeah, parts a of a pine tree are edible. Because so. it seems to me he even pulled the bark off the pine tree and took a bite out of it in the commercial. But maybe I'm remembering that. Maybe my whole this life is not is a the lie. guy I would want endorsing my cereal. The guy will eat the bark off a tree. I know. Listen to him. How delicious this is. Yeah. And no, you want to compare grape nuts. To eating a tree? tree? That doesn't sound delicious to me. No, I mean, sure, you'll get some slivers in your tongue, but... <laughs> well, I think that's what he was but talking about. It's that's good used for to, you. They used to do that. Now we have grape nuts. We have the deliciousness of grape nuts. Right, except that doesn't sound delicious. Yeah. I don't... Uh, yeah, we, we used to have to do that. Well, okay. I mean, let's be honest. We used to have to eat octopus, too. We don't have to anymore. No. 
Oh, but it's good though. No, deep fried. anything no. deep fried. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just want to thank the Lord right now for not having me born at any other time than this, because I can't imagine being so hungry that you grab an octopus and you're like, <laughs> wonder if we can eat this. I mean, how many times did they have to try eating the head or debeak the thing before they're like, okay, just. Just eat the legs and the suction cups. <laughs> I mean, you know somebody had to boil up the head. Can we boil up the head? Can we use the head as a purse? I mean, they were doing weird things, and I'm glad I was not in the food experimental age. Me too. But somebody stumbled on some pretty good eating, though, with the lobster, which is something you would never consider eating if you just looked at it. Right? And Mary, the first time she saw that, we went up to Cape Cod, and... um we were uh, uh, we rented this little cottage thing for the you know for a week in the summer, and we went up and we went to the store. Mary and I walked to the store, and we got lobster, and she didn't say anything. And uh, then we got home and I put them on the floor, and they were crawling around, and I said that we're going to put them in the pot and we're going to going to eat those. Oh my gosh, she freaked out. She was like, you cannot make me eat bugs. I won't eat bugs. I won't eat bugs. And I'm like, that's what they are. Really, they're giant. See cockroaches. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. I I don't know who stumbled onto it, but they... They had to be mighty hungry. No kidding. You are still looking for the Yule Gibbons pine tree. I am, and and nobody can find it. This story here talks about him saying it when he became spokesman for post-grape nut cereal. He was, uh, you know, a big advocacy for foraging for wild foods. So, I mean, he was... I'm seeing articles that mention him, specifically mention him saying it, one of them in a 1974 Grape Nuts commercial. Uh, however, I still have not found the video. I can't it's, find it's it. Just you would think that would be the, the, the number one video that would pop up. Which yeah, it, it, there's a lot of them where he's eating other weird things. Yeah, like the cattail. Cattail, there's something, he's in a Sahara situation, he's eating something else. Makes uh, me thinks it might be a Saturday Night Live bit. It, it might be. I'm Yule Gibbons. Here's one. There's... I'm gathering part of my breakfast. <laughs> These are high bush cranberries. <laughs> okay, high bush cranberries are. Well, that doesn't sound either. bad. Those are good. High bush cranberries. He actually puts bad. those in the grape nuts in that commercial. I watched that one already. <laughs> <laughs> Do they make grape nuts still? I liked grape. Oh nuts. yeah. Oh, yeah, they make them. You know, it's a we- uh, nasty. Oh, I like, it's like them. eating little pieces of cardboard. Oh no. Yeah. No, I like them. We can, I mean, you have to dump a ton of sugar on it. You want to know the best? <laughs> but then they're good. You want to know the best way to eat grape nuts? This is very strange, and this is an odd conversation to have before the week before it the really Republican is. National Convention. But let me tell you this. Okay. There's a place in uh, Connecticut, an ice cream place, that serves grape nuts ice cream. Ooh, oh, that now, sounds pretty good. You know, grape nuts are essentially, they, you know, they're really hard, but you put them in ice cream. And then you got a really, it's a good flavor. Yeah, it, and they it get creates soft. a nice texture. Yes. Right. I will say grape nice. nuts ice cream. If you can find it, you would think, why the hell would I buy that? Give it a whirl. It's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I'll like see. I mean, he's the guy who ate the octopus head first. It's the, but then yes. came back and said, no, yes. no, no, no. Try just the legs now. <laughs> <laughs> back in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
the Glenn Beck Program. Tonight, 5 o'clock, have, um, have an amazing show. Um, a, um, he, uh, he is a Pakistani-born gay Muslim. Um, who is says uh, I'm tired of the stereotypes and um, uh, we've got to come together and we have to figure out a way to sanity to stop the real bad guys. Are there stereotypes of Pakistani gay Muslims? Because no, 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 anybody no, no, understands no. that there are any. No, I, I mean, he's a guy who I, I don't agree with. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think we agree. I don't know how much we agree with uh, each other. But both of us, let me, let me give you this. Um, he was on our network, I think, and um, uh, he said he was coming on our network, and I think somebody, they, they, he started getting death threats. Mm. And so I wrote to him and I said, Riaz, I'm so sorry that so much hate has come your way. Believe me, I understand that. Well, I'm sure our experiences are much different. We have up to 14 working death threats at any given time on me. I feel the same way about hate as you do. I've come to the same conclusion as well. It's one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing now. It's also why three years ago I took the blame for everything that I did um, and anything that I said that might have been divisive because we've got to heal. Let's see if we can find a way to spend an hour with each other on TV or radio sometime in the near future. I'll have my chief of content ready, blah, blah, blah. It's important to me not to throw red meat or having a cheering audience. This is not the Roman games, but rather real life and death discussions. I'm not looking for where we disagree, but where we can agree. I made this offer years ago with Glad, I wanted, but they only wanted to talk about bakers baking cakes and continue to divide. I wanted to discuss real human rights and standing against the real hate. They turned me down. It's easy to talk about cakes in bathrooms. It's harder for you to stick up for my rights and me to stand up for yours while we stand together for all men's rights to dignity and liberty. Glenn. He sends this off to a friend. His friend writes back, wow, I'm amazed at this guy's narcissism, how it comes through in this exchange. That's what his friend writes. So he sends that quote to me and he says, Glenn, nothing but hate. And you're not even a Pakistani-born homosexual Muslim. Hope we can talk soon. That hate train is coming from both of our sides. So we're going to have a... Uh, conversation tonight uh, he is really somebody who is um he 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 developed he's a producer and he developed a show and he presented it to i think 18 television executives and the show was let's find the most vulnerable that are being targeted by isis show how they're being targeted by isis show who the most vulnerable are and show how to drag them out of that cesspool. None of the network executives would touch that. I think that sounds, if I had the money, I'd produce that show in a heartbeat. That sounds like a fascinating show and a very helpful show. Nobody wanted to take it on. It's going to be an interesting hour tonight. And then tomorrow night, uh, we have... Um, uh, Lawrence Jones and the full interview that he did with the parents of the um, shooter or the killer in um, in Dallas, and we've got a couple more clips that haven't been released yet. Um, let's play the one where Mom is very upset at 
her son being blown up. I don't understand is how short the negotiation was and why the chief felt that he wouldn't negotiate long. Mm-hmm. The taunting and the raving, haven't he heard that before? Haven't that gone on before and the negotiation went on longer than two hours mm-hmm. instead of 45 minutes to an hour? Um, yeah, I don't. Had my son done wrong? Yes. Mm-hmm. I will not deny that. I feel for those families. And I know what they are feeling. Senseless. You believe Micah was wrong? I believe that Micah did what he thought was right to correct an injustice that he felt. Stop for a second. Stop there for a second. That's tough to listen to. That's tough. You believe he did what he felt was right to correct an injustice? May I? Killing five innocent cops? May I suggest? May I suggest? That she's, A, she's wrong on that. She's big, wrong on that. Big time. Yeah, wrong. big time. So no excuse for that. Right. However, may I suggest she just walked out of her son's memorial an hour before mm-hmm. this. Um, she's trying to make sense of it. And she's trying to say, I think, she's a preacher. I think she's trying to say to herself, my son something happened to him where he didn't choose evil. He thought he was doing something right against injustice, but he was doing wrong. So I think she's, what she's saying there is, my son's not evil. He just went, there's something happened to him where he went wrong. Uh, every serial killer has some justification as to why they're doing mm-hmm. it. I mean, watch Seven. I mean, it's a dumb, I know it's a movie. You know, there's a like difference. They all have their their motivation. Well, I'm I'm stopping sloth. That's why right. it force fed this person Correct. to death. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. What that's that's the murderer justifying. She's trying to say in her own head. Some I, I didn't raise a killer. I, I think you have to give the mom some. But she's wrong here. But I think that she's. Well, I mean, I, he may very well have thought he was doing what was right. Yeah, it but he was nuts. It doesn't matter was wrong. at yeah. all. I don't yeah. care no, if he I agree. he was doing it right. I agree. I really do believe that, that almost every bad actor in human history believes at oh, some level they're doing the right thing. Even if they have to break a few eggs to get that omelet made. Oh, Hitler. Doing, when, right. I mean, when von Stauffenberg tried to blow him up, von Stauffenberg blew Hitler up. Hitler was one of the only people in the room that wasn't severely damaged. And um, uh, because of that, Hitler immediately, while he was still at the wolf's lair, was saying, this is, div- this is divine um, proof that I am meant to be here and to carry on and do the things that we're doing. This is divine proof. Yeah. That we're on the right track. Because you don't, if you really think what you're doing is so horrible, most of the time you'll at least either make yourself feel bad about it, which obviously these people don't typically do, or you change your behavior. Did Hitler's mom say that he was just trying to correct an injustice? Oh, I think Hitler's family changed their name. <laughs> yeah. You know, they live in Long in, Island. Yeah. The Hitler's. Yeah, the, 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 different change name name change. Did they change their name? Because oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, they distanced themselves big time. <laughs> yeah, so that's it's the Hitler family. <laughs> yeah. But I mean that that's I don't mean to 
I, I think you're right. You're walking out of your son's memorial. You hoped with every fiber of your being it would not turn out like this, and it has. And you're, so think, you're, you're talking about your son's salvation. Right. You can't, it's you know impossible I mean? to make a, to, to be rational in that yeah, point, no. point, I'm sure. Right. Um, and, and at least, you know, at least they weren't like many families who come out and say, well, there's no way this happened. They're lying. The police are lying. False flag operation, whatever the thing of the day is. She's admitting what happened here. She's saying, I can't believe he did this. They talk about it in this interview. Um, but she's trying she's to very, justify it. Right? Yeah, she's trying to she's walking a very thin line. And yes. it might be that line of sanity and insanity for a mom. Yeah, you're not saying I, that's not I guess what I'm saying. You're not saying in this moment. No, right? like I don't know how you could possibly process something like this of course you still want to understand what they're what the parents and the family are thinking and what may have led into this so you have to talk to them but it's impossible for them to have actual perspective in that moment i think she also seems to have a real big problem that he was blown up and you know does it matter whether you're blown up or shot i have to tell you you're you're dead either way i have to tell you this one bothers me um because of what's coming I mean, I don't want to set more precedents on this. I mean, you, and this was the first time apparently in America that we've done this. Yeah, why not just put a drone up with with armaments? And this is what it was. I mean, we all talk about drone attacks on American mm-hmm. citizens. This was a drone attack. Yeah, this is a this is a, this is a guy, robot. The guy had just killed five cops. I have, I, I, yes, I have a I, problem right, if a drone I, thrilled takes, with the outcome. Know, of but it. I'm I mean, telling you, it is. I mean, y- y- yes and no. You're blowing somebody up. That is being judge, jury, and executioner. Well, you would if you so shot, him shot him either. Yeah, so is the, yeah, but I know, but but either way, I know. Dead. But but again, forty-five minutes of negotiation as opposed. I mean, sometimes we've gone into you know four hours of negotiation, right. six hours of negotiation, forty-five minutes, and like yeah, send a send the bomb up. I mean, it yeah, just. I, I'm not. I'm not. No, I, I, look, I am not disagreeing with the police. I uh, I want people to be safe. I don't like the precedence that this sets. Right, like I, what I would say is I want in that situation the police to do everything within their legal ability to take him out. Oh, yeah. However, there might be something that we should think about as far as a future conversation as to whether this should be legal. It should be something that that, that police can do because, I, I mean, I would have absolutely – they should – 45 minutes, you're saying – he's saying there's active bombs in the city. An extra second is too long for him to be alive. He could blow those things up at any moment. You don't know how – I mean, we don't have the tape. And if he says, I have access to blow them up, that's one thing. If he says, I have them them around the city – and they will blow yeah, up, or we, they, they, we don't know that. We don't know for sure. If they I, thought I, that he had, that he was going to blow them up, I, but they, there's no I think, need to do this. And they had to do that. There is no reason, however, to believe the police didn't think he was an active threat with more violence coming. So, I agree. so anything within their legal ability, they would do. Like, think, we're talking about a, a robot coming around the corner and blowing up. It is something new. And when you have something, a new tactic you being should used by police, it. we should probably have a conversation. I don't know that today is the day for it. I think, like, you know, a little bit of separation, let the emotion pass a little bit, and then let's have a, honestly, like a, wait a minute, let's sit around a really boring room with, like, really with smart white people. walls and, and and really, you know, a boring boardroom and actually have a bunch of smart people talk this Why one do the out. walls have to be white? That's interesting, Mr. Bergier. Yeah, why, why do the walls have black to be walls white? matter? I was saying it was the most boring option. That's I was actually criticizing matter. the color white. Is what I was doing. Fascinating. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you, I, I agree. No emotions, sober talk. Like because it's look, a different a th- thing, and we should decide if we want to do that every look, time. Look, here, here's the thing. 
what is what is Black Lives Matter saying? Black Lives Matter is saying, here in Dallas at least, their police, and this is true, this is one of the problems. We used to hire policemen who were from that neighborhood. And so everybody knew that person because they lived in that neighborhood. It was their beat. Okay, that's the way things used to be a hundred years ago. And then as cars came along and everything else, you would move farther and farther away. Now, many times, those police officers don't live anywhere near those neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And they don't relate to those neighborhoods. Nobody knows them. So they're, they can be viewed as an occupying force. It's funny, though, because Dallas is one of the police departments nationwide that has done the most I know, to I know. do these things. I know, I know. Who's the victim of it? I know, I know. It's amazing. So, so, but what I'm saying is, and I'm not talking about Dallas, that's what Black Lives Matter is saying to us. This is an occupying force in our neighborhoods. Well, Dallas's response was, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take job applications. We're, we're open for hire. Come on in. Uh, Come on in. So you can fix that. Yeah, you can fix that right now. That's what Dallas said. But what is the solution from the president? A federal police force. He wants a federal police force even further from the community. You want to talk about making things much worse a federal, and also unconstitutional, a federal police force. On top of it, you have the other side, Donald Trump saying that he wants to have General Flynn in, and one of the reasons is because we're headed for civil unrest and we need somebody who knows how to take charge. An army guy? Mm-hmm. We better really seriously consider how what powers we give to our police force and what we're doing because... Um, you can quickly be deemed the enemy. You can quickly be deemed even dangerous. Even when you're not. Even when you're not. Let's be very careful about robotics and drones and everything else in the United States. And, uh, and, now, uh, and now this. Uh, children share a lot of personal information online, and they just, they don't, they don't know they're doing it. That's the problem. I mean... You can tell your kids all the time, don't give out any information, but they are online and they're not, they're not, they're, they're not wise. They don't know necessarily the, the personal information they're giving out about, you know, their birthday, um, their age, when they were born, any of that stuff. Your kids do that and all of a sudden now I've got a social security number. I've got a name, a birth date, an age. I can get the social security number and I've got their ID, and I'm going to wreck their life. LifeLock. Identity theft is America's fastest-growing crime, and people want to steal what you've worked hard for or what your kids don't even have yet. So when they get their first credit card, or they get their, run their first credit to buy a car or go to school or whatever, their credit's already wrecked for years. LifeLock will watch over yours. They scan hundreds of millions of transactions each second, And if they detect information being used, they send you an alert. And if you have a problem, a U.S.-based agent will work to fix it with you. 
very different than free credit monitoring. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock is the best identity theft protection available. Memberships start at $9.99 a month, plus uh, sales tax. Go to LifeLock.com at 1-800-440-4936. Use the promo code BACK and get 10% off your LifeLock Ultimate Plus membership at LifeLock.com. Promo code BACK at 1-800-440-4936. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The Glenn Beck Program. Uh, if there's a new study out. This is going to take you by shock. Guys, listen to this. This is amazing. This is from Harvard. Okay? <laughs> Harvard wanted to look at what happened to the Trump coverage because... Oh, did they? They thought oh. that it was all very, very positive, but then there was a turning point oh, where weird. it turned negative. And what they found oh. is... Uh, the beginning, it was all really positive, and then once he got the nomination clinched and everybody else was out, yeah, it turned sharply negative. Yeah, to the point that uh, negative statements outpaced positive ones by ten to one. Right, ah, he locked it up. Who saw right. that coming? That's interesting. Yeah. That's well, they said that's just because they had to cover the horse race. Uh, part. Oh, and then once he locked it up, they wanted to talk policy. This is oh. a good time for the that. Oh. Program. <laughs> Mercury. 